What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome back to the Lottery Podcast. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. Um, it's been a it's been a bad week. It's weird to even talk about anything else other than, of course, Kobe Bryant passing, his daughter Gianna passing, the other seven victims on that helicopter. I mean, it really is weird to talk about anything else. Um, I haven't really said anything on Twitter about it. I mean, what? There isn't anything you can say that either A, hasn't already been said, um, or B, that's going to make anything better. Um, and so uh, I usually kind of shy away from from tweeting about stuff like this. I figured I'd open this week by just having some thoughts. Um, and even if they're repetitive or you've heard them before, I guess I should just get something out there. And uh, so I think one of the reasons why... Um, it, it, everyone's taking it so hard, including people like me who've never met him. Um, you know, I'm just for perspective, I'm 33. So, uh, when Kobe was first getting into the league, you know, I was old enough. Um, but I think one of the reasons why it's so tough to take, uh, is because he really was such a, a, you know, you felt when he spoke, everybody listened, he was so wise. Um, everybody just looked up to him. And you felt like, you know, he's the type of, like, everyone kept calling him a superhero. I mean, that's really, um, without even thinking that throughout his career, that's just a feeling you got. Like, he would just find a way to to figure things out, to make a bad situation better, um, to say the right thing when everybody needed um, the right thing to be said. You know, you'd almost think that, like, I know this is crazy to say, and I hope it's not wrong to say, but, like, his helicopter's going down. You just like expect Kobe to be the type of guy who can, you know, go into the controls and, and steer, steer it back up or, or, you know, figure out a way to land it so everyone could be safely or, or find a way to position his body so he can, you know, land safely and protect his daughter. I mean, that's ridiculous thinking, but you just, like everyone said, it was like he's invincible um, and he just walked around with that confidence. And uh, I've just, you know, if you're a basketball fan, at my age or younger, he's just he's been in the center of conversation. He's been the center of the M- of the NBA for so long. It's just hard to imagine a day without him. Um, and so uh, I think that's really one of the reasons why it's it's been so difficult to just imagine. Uh, and also the fact that even after he retired, I mean, when he retired, th- you know, throughout his career, I was never one of those like obsessive Kobe guys. You know, I always respected him. Um, and, and I'll say this: being somebody who Grew up in New York, lived in New York his entire life. Been to, you know, ever go to a ton of Nick games. Um, I've seen every star possible in Madison Square Garden. No star had ever generated a reaction from the crowd the way Kobe did at Madison Square Garden. You know, Michael, not even Michael, um, at Madison Square Garden, not LeBron, but what Kobe, the reaction Kobe generated at Madison Square Garden, the amount of Kobe jerseys that showed up to MSG, it was always weird because I've seen again all twenty nine other teams play in MSG. But when the Lakers got there, and the Lakers aren't even rivals with the Knicks, 
but there are so many Kobe fans out there. Like, I, it couldn't have happened to a bigger star in the game, a guy with more of a following. I mean, no player made a, a bigger impact on, on both players and fans than Kobe. And, and what I was getting to before is that during his whole career, he was always, he was very serious. Sometimes I almost thought that he was so serious at times that he did it for the camera. Um, but he was really just, I think as we learn more and uh, more and seen him develop as uh, and grow as a, as a person, not just a player, but as a person, um, he really was just a really genuine person. And, uh, and as retirement hit, he didn't seem as serious as he as he previously been. He kind of lightened up a bit, loosened up, uh, a lot more smiling. Um, he seemed a lot more carefree. It was like a different type of Kobe, a more enjoy enjoyable side of Kobe. I mean, he was such a competitor during his career um, that he never really like gave you that moment where he could relax. And now he finally looked relaxed, um, and it was good to see it. And if you felt like you could almost relate to him, or even when he go on the talk shows, you know, Jimmy Kimmel and, and Jimmy Fallon late at night. He just seemed more relaxed. He seemed more relatable, uh, and it was almost like, okay, now I could, you know, now he's closer to like my friend than than some big, huge, larger than life sports star. And we all kind of got closer to Kobe when he became that type of relatable guy. And and for, at the worst possible time for this to happen, that's why it hurts so much because we all felt so much more closer to him after retirement. So uh, that's that's where I'll. Well, I'll finish up. Um, I, I'm, it's been nonstop Kobe coverage. And I, I haven't been able to take my eyes and, and ears away from it. Um, I, I've been constantly, you know, as I write and do my work, it's on the TV 24-7. You, know, you, you go to sleep thinking about it. Um, and, uh, and so I won't go on and on about it because everyone's kind of doing the same thing. And, and, and uh, eventually we as a group have to find a way to, to move forward and, and, uh, and talk about other things. But he'll obviously never be forgotten. I just found out I'm having a baby boy, and uh, you know it's crazy to think that he's he's going to be born into a world without without Kobe Bryant, uh, who I'm. We're all going to tell our kids and grandkids uh, incredible stories about him and and the powerhouse that he was, uh, both on the floor and in the locker room and on the screen, um, and so we'll end with that, and uh, we'll move forward uh, with some NBA draft talk. Um, a weird segue. It's also been such a bad year, by the way, for NBA draft and, and college basketball and and individual stars. I mean, there just aren't many, and the ones that are aren't playing or they're overseas. Um, and so it's made it tough to kind of hold a weekly podcast. Um, and even the rookies, you know, there's been some good storylines with the rookies. Zion just came back. Of course, I guess we could talk about that. Uh, it's only been three games, so I don't want to have any knee-jerk reactions. He looks great. Um, I, I, that first game was wild. That that eighteen point spurt out of nowhere. I'm not gonna lie. I fell asleep in the third quarter, being on the East Coast. Those games are so damn late, uh, and I woke up with like you know a million alerts to what he did. Um, so uh, I'm really excited to see his career finally take off, and I'm happy to see also that the Pelicans aren't really babying him. I mean, they're playing him like legitimate minutes right away. I thought this was gonna be like you know five minutes to start, then rest two games, then play ten minutes. He's playing like a regular guy, so that's good to see. And it's good to see how comfortable he already looks out there. Actually, before I'm, I'm actually going to the Garden uh, in an hour to go see John Morant. Um, so I'm excited about that too. Uh, but in terms of college basketball, man, I mean Cole Anthony being out stinks and. And Anthony Edwards being on Georgia and kind of just being not super convincing um, is, uh, has been a little bit of a, a letdown. The fact that he's kind of in the number one mix is pretty disappointing. 
Um, LaMelo, of course, back in the United States after missing a lot of time over missing like the last two months with a foot injury. I think once he went down, he knew he was never coming back. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, a, there's James Wiseman, of course. So I talked to a scout, a couple scouts this past week. I'm actually going to put this onto paper or not onto paper, uh, into an article that will be published, I believe Friday. Um, and, uh, just kind of getting quick hitter reactions to what a lot of these scouts had to say about the players. I don't want like full breakdowns and I'm never going to get like a full breakdown on a player. And I don't even think you guys want to hear, you know, 10 minute scouting reports on guys, just quick, you know, off the top of your head. What do you think of, um, Cole Anthony, you know, and give me a couple sentences. What do you think of Isaac Okor? A couple sentences just to see what's the first thing that these scouts think of when they hear this prospect. So, um, again, the article will be out Friday, but I figured, why not? Let's kind of give you the uh, the cliff notes of what I'm hearing. Um, it was a couple of scouts, one really high-ranking executive who, who most of this came from. Um, but, I, you know, he these guys don't see everybody. They usually cover certain ground, um, and, and uh, they focus on a certain region. Um, so one scout's not going to give you in-depth uh, analysis on every single prospect in the country. you got to talk to a few. So I filled in some blanks with a couple other regional scouts around uh, the NBA. Um, but we'll start with Anthony Edwards. His kind of gut reaction was very similar to mine. Obviously, I uh, recognized Edwards' talent level. Um, noted how he likes to play with freedom, runs up and down. He could definitely score. But a uh, quote from this guy, he'll struggle with called plays and a slower ball. He's AAU product. He's got a low basketball IQ. I mean, I watched Anthony Edwards last night. He put uh, Georgia up 20 in the second half against Missouri. And then Missouri started to make a run, and when they needed Edwards to kind of lift Georgia from this slump, he went one of seven to close the game, and Missouri came back from a 20-point deficit in the second half to beat Georgia. I mean, that is just like a perfect way to sum up Edwards. He kind of scores, and it doesn't matter, right? His 32-point second-half explosion against Michigan State early in the season came with this team getting crushed uh, against Auburn. Not too long ago, he was a complete, did, did nothing the entire game and scored some garbage points at the end to save his stat line. I don't have any question that he's going to produce in the NBA. Um, and, and I talked to another scout who said, yeah, you just have to put him at the top of your board or near the top of your board. But uh, he cannot, I mean, he's not a typical number one overall prospect. I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first one to talk about him and Andrew Wiggins in the same breath. Um, just guys who are very talented, who know how to put the ball in the basket, but it doesn't necessarily translate to uh, to winning basketball. Scout on Cole Anthony, he's one of the better players in the draft, but my concern is his attack game to finish at the rim versus length. He also shoots in volume instead of facilitates. I mean, these his attack game, he can get to the rim, but he was 6-21 finishing at the rim this year. Uh, on the other hand, North Carolina... Shoots 29% from downtown as a team. Um, no spacing. And Cole had to do everything. That team, you know, they, they don't have anybody. So, uh, and it was also nine games before he hurt his knee. So I'm not going to get too carried away on Cole Anthony's inefficiency and his, his weaknesses struggling. I mean, uh, his weaknesses finishing at the rim um, and the bad assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, I've compared him to Jamal Murray. That's kind of the path I see him, the type of player I see Cole Anthony being, a guy who is, you know, can handle the ball. Probably, you know, probably don't want him as your primary decision maker, but um, probably more of an undersized two guard, you know, you know, the way, the way I guess Murray's not undersized, but Cole Anthony would be an undersized score. 
Um, I'm actually writing an article on best landing best landing spots for prospects. I think he'd be great next to Cole Anthony. I mean, next to uh, next to Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is the passer, and Cole Anthony is a, is the big time scorer. And I think Cole is a great athlete for his size, and he uses his athleticism for defense and rebounding. And he could defend a couple of inches taller than him. So um, that's the type of guy I think he is. Um, what else did he say? Who can I go to? All right, Isaac Okoro, because I Okoro I have top five, and that's probably higher than any media outlet or any scout I've talked to. Um, this scout uh, on Isaac Okoro from Auburn. I like Okoro. I think he's a sol- He's going to be a solid 34% three-point shooter by the time he's 24, like Marcus Smart. I think Capped is a good decision-maker and passer from the wing, more than the secondary playmaker. So if his scoring and shooting are just average, he's probably just going to be a backup or situational starter. I feel like with Okoro... You're betting on his intangibles giving you Malcolm Brogdon or Kawhi Leonard gains. I think Kawhi Leonard is obviously a stretch, but uh, to be a, a Malcolm Brogdon type forward, I mean, that's totally what I, what I see. And of course, he's got to improve his shooting. But um, Okoro, there's nothing flashy about his game. He just gets the job done. He's strong for his position. He defends his position. He defends multiple positions. Plays through contact. Uh, makes good decisions offensively. More system than turnovers. Um, and uh, just a really high efficient finisher inside the arc, and I think his jumper is projectable. I just think he's such a I think he's such a safe bet. Like he can't be bad. He has to. At worst case, he's like an Anunobi. Worst case, but he just turned 19 on Sunday, and I think he obviously only gets better from here. And he's already pretty damn good. Um, so I'm, I have Okoro top five, even if it's kind of settling on a lower floor guy. I think in this draft, I'm valuing higher floors. I don't, I don't need to risk a, a, a theoretical high ceiling on a guy who could easily be a complete bust in this league. Um, how about uh, the Washington boys, back-to-back? <laughs> he wasn't too happy um, or excited about either of them, and quite honestly, neither am I. Uh, uh, Isaiah Stewart, I have issues with the big fella, undersized for a center, limited outside game, no handles. Um, quote, that, that, I mean, that's, uh, those are obvious statements and, and obvious reasons why I'm not high on, on Stewart um, in terms of his upside. I think he's got a high floor, I guess, relatively speaking. I think he's an NBA player, which says something in this draft, uh, you know, worth drafting on a pretty uh, guaranteed NBA player in the 20s. But I've seen some some guys out there have him like as a, as a lottery pick. I think that's a, a little nutty. Um, he's 6'9". He doesn't jump very high. He doesn't move very well laterally. laterally. He hasn't shown any shooting. He's not a great passer. Uh, he's just an enforcer around the basket. Like, I know... Uh, Montrez Harrell has turned into a pretty damn good offensive player. Um, I mean, offensive player because he's scoring 17 or, or maybe even close to 20 a game this year just by being a physical monster around the basket. I just don't think that Stewart is anywhere near athletic. Um, and, and so, uh, anyway, I'm not so high on him. And then Jade McDaniels, who I still see some guys have top 10. I mean, he's moving closer to the late 20s for me. Um, his quote was, he's not Kevin Durant. I've seen him a lot over the years. AAU, thin frame floats too much. I mean, it's all the same stuff. Um, uh, what I wrote, I said, the idea of a six-time forward with guard skills is enticing, but the reality of McDaniels isn't. I mean, he shoots 40%, to 65 turnovers to 41 assists, and I think talent alone makes him worth drafting in the first round, but he doesn't have the polished basketball IQ uh, or motor to, to create really any real optimism about him maximizing his potential. Uh, he just doesn't look like he has any idea how to apply his talent and skill level, and I don't think that he's polished enough to execute the skills that he wants to execute. He's a six nine, and he thinks he's, you know, a, a shooting guard out there. 
Brandon Ingram figured it out, but Ingram, I think, was much sharper um, at the same age. And, and McDaniel's a little bit older for his age as well. So I'm, I'm down uh, on James Wiseman. How about this quote? I mean, sorry, that was on Jaden McDaniels. How about this quote on James Wiseman? Buyer beware. He's very average. Needs to get stronger with lower body and upper frame and show more of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I'm, I've, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I am not very high on James Wiseman, at least relatively speaking. I think if you want to take him in the late lottery range, fine. But top three pick, I think that's nuts. I mean, I think he's just uh, another rim runner. He's going to get easy baskets. He's going to block shots. But um, as a top three pick, I think that's that's a little crazy. I don't really see what what bankable skill he has. Not a shooter, not really a sharp post player, not a passer, not a switchable defender, at least to a high level. Um, so uh, to me, he's you know, if you want to take a chance on him, at number ten overall, fine, but not top three. I mean, as I'm going through this, this is pretty depressing. Mostly negative thoughts. Here's a positive thought: Killian Hayes, um, the French point guard playing in Germany, uh, averaging six assists in Euro Cup. He is one of the biggest risers on my board, approaching top five status. Uh, and this this executive agreed, called him a stud. He's the real deal. Knows how to play. His passing is going to translate. Really nice pace to his game. Um, his playmaking has always stood out, but this year, what's really separated him, what's pushed him up boards, is his improved scoring skills. He's not just a, a setup guy. He's not. He's taking step back jumpers. He's making threes. He's shooting 88% from the free throw line in German league and Euro Cup combined. Last year he was at 86% from the free throw line, so he clearly has touch. Um, he's six five. He's 18 years old. Uh, he's producing at a high level in Euro Cup. Um, and uh, it reminds me of Gordon Dragic. Both he happens to be a lefty. He happens to be very crafty um, and, uh, and and European and. Uh, I think that's kind of the trajectory. I mean, Dragic made an all-star team, never really considered a superstar, but I think he, he, he reached star status, and I think Hayes can reach star status too. I take him over Nico Mannion, who this, go, this scout, um, he said about Nico Mannion, let me find it. He says, solid backup in our league, struggles to finish at the rim, but a great kid, a winner, just not a star. Uh, my thoughts completely align with those. I think he's a, a great kid. He's competitive. He's going to find a way to carve out a long NBA career, but he's not a star. Um, I don't think he's going to be a, a quality starting NBA point guard. I think he struggles too much to create separation without length, without explosiveness. Uh, I think he's a good shooter. I think he's a good passer, but I think he's going to have trouble blowing by guys. He doesn't get to the rim much. Um, and uh, some games, you know, we had zero assists the other day. He's got some good enough teammates around him. I just think he struggles a little bit to separate, um, and that's going to be even tougher at the next level when, when the point guards are obviously much longer uh, and more athletic. How about LaMelo Ball? One scout says, I'm buying LaMelo Ball as a top pick. He's one of the most talented players in the draft, though somewhat of a product of the quality of the draft, but I feel sure about Ball as I do about Anthony Edwards. So like I said, scouts have Anthony Edwards atop their boards. Uh, he's slowly moving down on my board. But uh, LaMelo, I've talked all year. He's, he's been number one um, since his last game for me um, in, uh, in Australia when he had back-to-back triple-doubles. I'm not so sure he's the next Luka Doncic, but in this draft, I just feel too good about his floor and his ceiling. I mean, I don't think he can be bad. He's a six-seven point guard, elite passer, a great ball handler, loves to play. Um, and uh, he's, I know he's not a good shooter, but he's a really versatile and confident shot maker, and I think he's got room to improve as a scorer with his floater, 
with his perimeter game. I think he's got a lot of finishing potential around the rim, despite lacking explosiveness. Now he's not a great defender, but how many point guards are impact defenders? Luka Doncic isn't a great defender either. He's a future MVP candidate. So I'm not so worried about that. Um, The scouts, one of them really liked Obi Toppin from Dayton. I'm a huge fan of his game. Confident player with the ability to play inside and out. Plays hard. He never quits on his teammates or on any plays. Toppin, I'm buying into. I mean, I know that there are questions about Obi's defense, but offensively, I mean, I don't see why he can't do exactly what John Collins does for the Hawks with his finishing, with his improved shooting touch, with his rebounding. Um, And I actually think Toppin is a better passer. Uh, So I I think he's a late lottery pick to me. I bet you some might even have him higher than that. How about this? I didn't put it in the article. I'll give you a little, I guess this is a a little bonus edition. Um, One scout who, who... Really didn't want me to publish it, but I'll give it to you here um, on the Lottery Podcast. He had Duke's Cassius Stanley as a top five prospect. I, I argued with him. Um, he was convinced that he's the next Jalen Brown. Uh, you know, wh- wh- what can I say? I, I understand what he's saying. Stanley is a monster athlete for a wing. Uh, he's a, a, been a very accurate shooter this year, despite the low volume. He defends really hard. I think he'd defend both wing spots and point guards. Um, he averages less than one assist per game, which is one of, a big knock for me. I think I need my I need my wing prospects to average assists. I think that shows creativity. I think it shows passing. Teams want wings who can put the ball on the floor and make a play. I'm not sure Stanley can do that, uh, but either way, I, I think it just goes to show that people do think that Cassie Stanley is an NBA prospect. Um, I've heard, and I really haven't talked about him much all year, um, so I'm, I'm going to start to open my mind to that possibility. But I thought it would be worth mentioning to you guys that uh, Stanley has fans in the NBA. I've had a lot of Duke guys reach out to me saying, where do you have Stanley? And I say, like, you know, second round, and they all think I'm crazy. Well, um, maybe I am a little bit crazy. Maybe I need to open my mind a little bit because scouts do have uh, Cassius Stanley um, as a first-round pick. Uh, Who else can we get to um, without uh, going overboard here? Tyrus Halliburton uh, from Iowa State. Uh, One executive says, a lot of hype about Halliburton's game within our league. Really knows how to play. Passing skills are elite. Uh, he was a big fan of Halliburton. And uh, I got a feeling he's going to go very high in this draft. Um, somebody is going to see another Lonzo Ball um, in a draft where I think Lonzo Ball, should, uh, knowing what he is now, would still go really high um, in this particular draft uh, just for his passing skills alone. And I understand it. Um, I, I think he could be another Lonzo Ball. I, I've said it all year. I think that's his best comparison. Their numbers are eerily similar. I know Halliburton's doing it as a second-year player compared to what Lonzo did as a freshman at UCLA. But both of them have the same exact like measurables, um, st- uh, weaknesses as an athlete in terms of blowing by guys, unorthodox shots, um, which really limits them as pull-up shooters. But they can make spot-ups and, and both excellent decision-makers with vision and passing skills. That's the type of guy I think Halliburton is. And sure, if you want to take him top 10 in this draft, uh, I'm not going to fight you. Um, this scout was really high on Sadiq Bey, which made me happy because Sadiq Bey is top 20 for me, Villanova. A uh, huge fan of his outside game and toughness. Coach Jay Wright speaks highly of his basketball IQ. I've had a lot of stock into players from Villanova. His game will translate. I'm on board with Sadiq Bey. I mean, I think he is uh, one of the biggest risers in this draft. He's 220, 6'8", could play both forward spots shooting 46% from downtown. He's a good passer, almost three assists per game. Um, and I think he's got the tools and uh, to defend multiple spots and the intangibles. I love the Villanova background. Uh, take him in the mid-first round, and I think you got yourself a role player. Um, who else can we get to? 
uh, Tyrese Maxey. Maxey, it seems like there's such a likability factor with Kentucky's Tyrese Maxey. I was almost shocked. Uh, one scout said, you know, I'm a huge fan, rock solid pick, no matter where you take him. And then another scout, like, was just did not like him at all. Uh, or, or didn't, I wouldn't say didn't like him at all, but just didn't see any upside whatsoever. He said, my comparison, my ceiling comparison for Maxey is Wesley Matthews, if he could develop a reliable jump shot. I'm lowering him, I'm lower on him than most. Not sure what I could trust him to do versus NBA athletes, game in and game out, except drive, kick, and swing the ball. Um, Maxi is, I mean, the big question with Maxi is he's not a lead playmaker, so you're going to probably have to play him at the two spot. And he's 6'3, he's not a great athlete, um, and he's been an unreliable shooter. So I can totally see why you don't see a lot of upside, and, and I'm not sure I do either. I think he's like a weak man's Donovan Mitchell. That's his style of play. He's a scorer, can be a secondary playmaker. Um, but he doesn't have Mitchell's explosiveness, and he hasn't been as potent as a shooter as Mitchell has, has been or even was at Louisville. But I just love uh, Maxie's intangibles, his effort. Um, he plays through contact. I think he's a much better shooter than the numbers suggest. Uh, I'm higher on Maxie than this scout was. I think he could take him in the late lottery. But it was interesting to see that not everybody loves him uh, the way that you would think. We'll do a few more. Trey Jones from Duke. Huge fan of his game, said the executive. Knows how to run a team. Starting to make shots from deep, his handle is on a string, brings toughness every day, just solid all around. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, um, I had him as a fringe first rounder last year. He's shown some improvement, and now I think because of the weak draft and the improvement, he is a late lottery pick, even if he is just a role player. Um, I think hopefully you, know, you get like a Fred Van, Van Vliet type of trajectory that just comes out of nowhere, um, but a, just another safe pick. He's an obvious NBA player. He's an obvious plus contributor. You know, he's not, he's not going to hurt you with a bad game. He makes good decisions. He's always going to defend. No, he may not give you a lot of scoring night in, night out, but um, he's not going to hurt your team in any way. So I'm, I'm good with, with Trey Jones um, in this year's first round. This scout was really high on RJ Hampton uh, playing over in New Zealand. I've got him top eight, he says. Kid is a downhill player with craft to create and slide his way to the basket. Huge upside, also a great person to be around. I'm lower on RJ Hampton. I think he's an NBA player. Reminds me a little bit of Dante Exum. Um, of course, knee injuries hurt Exum, so maybe not a great comparison, but uh, Hampton is, you know, 6'6", 6'5", versatile, can pass, but he's not a playmaker. Uh, he can attack and, and make outside shots, but he's not really a creative scorer. I like him in transition. You know, he can make defensive plays, but I don't know how great he is um, in terms of defensive impact. Um, you know, for every pro, there's a con with Hampton. If you want to take him in the mid-first round, that's fine with me. I wouldn't take him top, I mean, I guess maybe top eight just because there's so few obvious answers on this year's board. Uh, but there are guys who, who are going to like Hampton as a top pick. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes as high as number five or number six. With some good pre-draft workouts, he's going to ace interviews. Definitely a good kid. Shows a lot of maturity. Um, but uh, that was an interesting take, I thought, on RJ Hampton. Um, I've heard only good things about Onyeka Okongwu, who Okongwu I've had in the lottery since like his first game. Literally, I was convinced after one game. Uh, he's number four on my overall board. Um, huge fan of Big O's game, says the scout. Widely known as a solid two-way player. Plays defense and can score on the block. He's going to be a huge contributor in our league. Uh, another guy with just a monster floor. He can't. He can't be bad with his with his power, athleticism, quickness, energy, defensive activity. Um, and he's a very skilled post player. You know, he may not be Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid, but he's he's an 
obvious NBA contributor. So take him in the late lottery um, or reach on him, you know, as high as top five because he does have some upside, untapped upside with his offense, with his shooting potential. We'll close with that. Check out the article on Bleacher Report for um, a lot more detail, uh, more players. Um, and uh, again, just a, what a crappy week. Um, uh, it's really hard to get excited about anything uh, basketball-related or not. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully everyone can get their minds uh, off this tragedy. Of course, condolences go out to everybody, all families involved um, in that helicopter crash. And uh, hopefully we can all uh, move on and, and better times ahead. And we'll, again, we'll remember everybody lost um, and, and keep their memories alive. Thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to, to reach out to me on Twitter, NBA Draft Was, and uh, we will talk again next week.